the body Serving Christ the living hand Now in many tongues and cultures The celebration ring Millions who confess our Savior Honor Him as Lord and King And for courage, grace, and guidance Free day the prayers they bring To each coming generation Tell the truth, persuade, explain Till the time when time is ended The Savior comes again Till the saints are all united Under Christ's eternal reign The text for the sermon this day is taken from John, which was read to you earlier, specifically these verses. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Those are, that is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There is a story of a group of men who are known as the 40 Martyrs of Sebaste. And when I say it's a story, it is a true story. It was during the early 4th century, there was during... Constantine had been declared the emperor of the Western Empire, but on the east was the emperor Licinius. And Constantine had made Christianity the religion of his half of the empire, but for Licinius, he had dedicated to wiping out Christianity. And so one of the first things that he did was he he learned that amongst a certain group of soldiers, there were a number of soldiers who happened to be Christian. And so he took these 40 soldiers, and specifically a man named Agricola, one of, his, one of the servants of Licinius, brought these 40 uh, soldiers together, and he told these 40 soldiers that they have two choices. One choice is that they could worship the idols, the Greek and Roman idols, and live and keep their, their place and rank. Or they can continue to worship their Christ and suffer death. That was their two choices. And so he, gave, he let them sit in their prison cells to give them a 24 hours to think about what they were willing to do. When the morning came... Those men, he had those men stand before him. And he said to them, so do you renounce? And they refused. So Agricola began to speak words of flattery, telling them about how they are the greatest soldiers, such honorable and so wonderful, how much he appreciated the sacrifices that they had made. 
He told them about how handsome they were, told them all these nice words in hopes that he could butter them up to renounce. It did not work. And so he sent those soldiers back into the prison, and there they sat for another two months. And when two months was up, Agricola returned, and he asked them, So has your mind changed? Are you willing to worship our idols? Again, they refused. And so Agricola began to waver back and forth between good cop and bad cop. And so playing bad cop, he kept on, he was telling them what would happen to them, giving the worst of threats, that if they do not start worshiping the Greek and Roman idols, that what would happen to them. And then he would throw in mixture of flattery. And it still didn't work. And his frustration, he began, eventually shouted down at them and said, you will, resu- re- you will lose your rank and all of your honor if you do not worship our idols. And those, one of the martyrs said, good. And they could also take our bodies as well because there is nothing more precious to us than Christ our Savior. And so Agricola and the other guards threw, st- hurled stones at these 40 soldiers. Some of the soldiers had their teeth knocked out of them. They became a bloody mess. They weren't dead. And they were put back into the prison for a time. And when the next, day, next evening came, they led all 40 of those soldiers out to a lake. They led him out to a lake, and this is in the middle of the winter. They led him out to a frozen lake. They stripped the soldiers naked and forced them to stand into that ice-cold lake. And along the sides of the lake, they laid out hot baths, telling them, they laid out 40 of them, telling them that all they have to do is worship these, the, the Roman idols and they can sit in that bath and they can return to life as it used to be. Within one hour, one of those soldiers, one of those Christians, did renounce his faith. He got up out of the lake, he, worship, he worshipped the Roman idol, and he sat in the bath, showing that the Romans were true to their word. That they would let, if anybody were to renounce Christ, they would let them live. They were not just paying lip service, they were being honest to the promise. But those other 39 remained in there. And notice at the beginning I said there were 40 martyrs. Yet one of them left. So something changed in that night. By the end of the night, and towards the end of the night, one of the soldiers, who were char- one of the guards that were charged to oversee the execution of these martyrs, l- late in the evening, inspired by their witness, stripped off all of his gear and ran out into the lake and joined them, shouting, I am a Christian too. And he went out, and the number returned to 40. 
When morning came, and they came, Licinius actually came to see what had happened with them. At the morning, all 40 were still alive. They did not freeze to death as he had hoped. And so out of frustration, he brought them back to the prison. And there they were beaten to death. All 40 of them. Those men, those 40 men, as we heard in that hymn, we just sang, we are called to stand together. Those 40 martyrs stood together in the freezing water with nothing on. I mean, think about it. How many of you would want to stand out in Lake, the middle of Lake Okaboji in January? Imagine how agonizing, and think about doing that for, you know, up to 18 hours. It'd be horrible. Dr. Martin Luther King said this, I submit to you that if a man has not discovered something that he is willing to die for, he is not fit to live. We as Christians have something to die for. Just think of the first two chief parts of the catechism. The first chief part being the Ten Commandments, and think of the close of the commandments where it says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And it says that we, that all those who disobey God's command will face God's wrath. And that's at the end of the Ten Commandments because as you go through the Ten Commandments and you think about them honestly, you know that you have broken every single one of them at some point in your life. Remember, even thou shalt not kill, you may have not physically murdered somebody, but if you've ever had hatred for another human being, according to Jesus, that is murder in your heart. Every one of us is guilty of sin. Every single one of us is deserving of God's wrath. Then you jump to the first... (coughs) Excuse me to the first article of the creed. It says that God, it's talking about God, what it's God has given us. He has given us food, clothing, house, home, family, our eyes, our ears, our arms, our legs, everything that we have. And today being Mother's Day, he gave us our mothers. And all the many gifts and blessings we have received from our mothers are ultimately a gift from God and a blessing from God. And he does this not out of any merit or worthiness in us, but out of divine fatherly goodness and mercy. The second article of the Creed tells us of how God's Son left the heavenly glories in order to be born of a virgin in order that he may suffer and die on the cross, and that he may purchase and redeem us, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, his holy, innocent suffering and death. The third article, which will definitely be focused on next week, being with next week being Pentecost. By the way, Pentecost is, just, is almost as important in a church year as Easter is. 
Because without Pentecost, Easter is just another day. It means, yeah, it's pretty awesome Jesus rose from the dead, but without Pentecost, he didn't rise for you. He just rose because he could. But with Pentecost, the blessings of Easter come to you. So the Holy, so the third article is emphasizing that God, that the Holy Spirit cre- creates and sustains your faith. No one is able to believe on their own account. No one is able to save themselves. We are by nature's enemies of God. We are in open rebellion to Him. Therefore, it was necessary for us to receive the Holy Spirit to move us to faith. And see, the Holy, the, it also, this last week, we had Ascension Day. At the very end of the third article, the Creed, we, we say that we believe in the life of the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. See, this last day on Ascension, Ascension, by the way, also is a very, very important day of the church. And it's kind of, it's kind of one of the tragedies that's kind of disappeared out of the church minds. Because like I mentioned, all three of our churches, its ancestry is found on Ascension Day. The very first service, that was, first Lutheran service preached in Osceola County was on May 22nd, 1884 at what used to be the Methodist Church on Ascension Day. And the reason is because Ascension Day is all about what it means to be a Christian. It's all about the church. It is Jesus' final words. It is a reminder that just as Jesus ascended into heaven, so shall we. But the thing is, that is so awesome, is that when we, go, when we ascend into heaven, when we ascend to eternity, what we deserve... It's for the wrath of God. What we deserve is for the angels and all the company of heaven to start listing off every little sin we have ever committed. Even the little ones that no one knows about, not even yourself. They'll point out those things and you didn't realize what you did on that day. That's what we deserve. And we deserve for God to say, get out of my sight. I can't stand the sight of you. Go to... Go to the place of hell. That's what we deserve. Sometimes we imagine that heaven's going to be a little bit more like Ellis Island. If you've ever seen the pictures of that. Or any of you have parents or grandparents that came here on that and they might have told you the stories. Of how it was thousands of people would come by the day and there'd be All these people lining up, waiting to get into the United States, which was a sort of a promised land. And waiting to receive that signature from the president. Like my my grandfather, I seen his certificate when he came here from Finland. And on his certificate, he has Tsar Nicholas, because Finland was under Russian control at the time. And on the other side, it has William McKinley, which is kind of weird, because both people ended up being shot. But... William McKinley, the president, is on there, and you, that's all the exposure you'd ever get from William McKinley is that. And we kind of imagine, perhaps, that when we enter into eternity, 
It's just going to be a big old line waiting to get into heaven and all the exposure will get to Jesus is at best he might wave and say, hey, how's it going? But it's better than that. A lot better than that. See, what is going to happen there's a vision of it that was echoed in one of the hymns that we sang this past Thursday. Is that you could close, when you closed your eyes from this world for the last time, when you breathe that last breath, as Keith Vickery, as some of you know, did yesterday, the next breath that is breathed is a breath of the Holy Spirit. And when those eyes open, it is to see the face of our Heavenly Father. And when that feeling comes back to your body, it will be to feel the open embrace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the first thing that will be heard is choirs of angels singing the most beautiful music you have ever heard. And they're singing in victory and triumph for you. They are going to welcome you like a king. You're going to hear thousands and thousands of angels and saints and everyone singing and celebrating that you have made it to eternity. And Jesus is not going to just be in passing. He's going to hug you. He's going to be so glad that you are there. That is the promise of all who die in the faith. That is what meets Keith Vickery. That is what will meet my Uncle Howard, who's in his last, probably in his last hours or days. That message that we have, when we deserve hell and damnation, and yet we, when we come to heaven, we deserve to be punished and shouted down and condemned, but, when, but we instead receive worship and adoration and celebration. We're not being worshipped, but we're being celebrated. The worship is to Christ. But we're being celebrated. That's what we get. And that is something worth dying for. Because of look at how this world is. Is this world really something we want to cling on to that badly? How many of you threw up your hands when you, on the election right now? Many people in this country have decided not even to vote this year. Which, by the way, is a bad idea because there is still a senator that's running. And so the Senate's going to be a very important vote. So don't not vote. But our, in our country, in our world, there's just full of stories of reasons why we should not be content with this world. It's so obvious. And we who have been redeemed by Christ are given the promise of something so incredibly beautiful beyond our wildest imaginations. That is worth dying for. Because you see, we do live in a world where standing for Christianity is not the popular decision. It is not the popular thing. In this country, to say, to definitively say what is a man and what is a woman is considered to be a bigot. You can't say who's a man and who's not, no matter what their anatomy says. If you say that 
If you oppose Planned Parenthood and its abortive practices and the fact that it sells the parts of babies, you, are, you hate women, according to our culture. Ignoring the fact that those babies that are being sold, ripped apart are indeed women, would one day be women. Some of them are. They're told that if you believe that Jesus is the one and only way, truth, and life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him, that is considered intolerant. To say that baptism saves, that it is beneficial to infants, and that is an important teaching. To say that the body and blood of Christ is indeed in, with, and under the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins. And that we practice closed communion. That is considered closed-minded or egotistical or whatever it may be. And that's a thought even from some Missouri Synod Lutherans. Our world does not tolerate standing for the truth, standing for Christ, standing for the gospel. Well, I have a quote. This is kind of... The source of this quote, have any of you seen Captain America Civil War yet? I'm the only one? Okay. It made like $72 million on Friday. So it's going to probably make a boatload of money. But this is a quote from Captain America, believe it or not. And so it says, it's a really per wonderful quote. It works great. It says, doesn't matter what the press says. Doesn't matter what the politicians or the mob say. Doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else. The requirement that we stand up for what we believe. No matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. That's the quote. I think that's so appropriate. Those 40 men and the sea, those 40 martyrs, they stood in the water and said, no, you move. We are called to stand together beside the river of truth, which is Jesus the Christ, and telling the world, no matter what you tell us to change, we are going to say, no, you move. Because the reality is, is that there are literally billions in this world who are perishing, because they have no faith in Christ. In this world, at any, in this county, Osceola County, on average... Today, only 28% of this county was in church. That means 72% were not in church. Which means you all have a task. The only reason you are on this earth to is to tell others about what Christ has done. Because how are they to believe if they have not heard? How can they believe and receive salvation unless somebody tells them of Jesus? That is why you are here. That is a reason to die. 
That is a reason to sacrifice our ego and our pride. Because if, even if they take our goods, fames, child, or wife, they, cannot they could destroy our body. They could cut our head off. They could burn us at the stake. And that is fine. Because God will make, Jesus will make us better. Stand firm in the truth of Christ. Even in the face of the greatest opposition. That others may hear and believe. And they may join us in the everlasting paradise in victory. That is ours. That is yours. That has no end. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. Please stand as we sing the offertory. Mm -hmm.